If you have your Bibles, you're finding yourself in 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 17 through 21 uh, tonight. And uh, uh, God has a good word for us. It's a good text that we're going to be looking at uh, tonight. Now, if you had to put a title, the title is The Fear of God. Now, that can mean a whole lot of things, can it not? That word fear has two different meanings. One of the meanings of the word fear is with terror or with dread. The other meaning of the word is to be reverence or in awe. Here tonight, we are looking at this body of uh, verses 17 through 21... Peter, of course, is writing to the suffering church. He's writing to believers here. And they're going through persecution. And we've already alluded to that they're, they've lost, many of them lost everything. And, uh, and so he is writing a letter to encourage them. So as we're going through this, uh, if you look at it uh, just uh, at face value here, you're thinking, well, what kind of encouragement that would that be is that uh, you need to fear God? Well, he's telling them, uh, and we're going to see five things tonight, and we're going to go through it very quickly, is that he's encouraging them that they need to fear God because that's what's going to help them to get through it. When you have a fear of God, it's going to help you to be able to get through your trials and tribulations. And so oh, we are being called a God-fearing people. We, many people have even mocked that. You know, he's, a, uh, he's one of those, uh, you know, uh, windsuckers, you know, and he's a, one of them God-fearing, Bible-thumping preachers. And I know that many times they use it as kind of a dig, but I just kind of view it as a compliment. Uh, we, we need to get back to God-fearing preaching. We need to get back to where we realize that we better fear God. Now, we like to hang out on that uh, he's a God of love, and he is. Matter of fact, it's uh, uh, kind of a lot easier when you preach the love of God than preaching about the fear of God. But we have to understand that, yes, he is a God of love, but he's also a God of wrath. Amen. Now, a lot of people don't like to hear that. Because in their minds, they're just wanting this... Uh, that's uh, usually not biblical view of who God really is. They want to the, uh, the think that God is someone that loves them, kind of like a, a granddaddy where he'll just go ahead and let you get away with anything and then he'll say, you, you know, you might not need to be doing that and kind of uh, pat you a little bit and send them move on. Well, God's not like that. God uh, takes sin very seriously. And we've lost sight of that, not only in society, but we've lost sight of that in our churches. We've kind of downplayed that. Many have said that, and I, here again, I like to be encouraging. I, I like to have, a, a, you know, where you just don't feel like you're, you're beat up on. But sometimes we just need to be beat up on to remind us that we serve a holy God. And our, a holy God it does not put up with sin punishment we don't like anything about punishment 
Uh, we see it in our uh, judicial system. We uh, just uh, the other day where the guy that uh, drove the school bus and uh, some children were killed, uh, he's, uh, oh, they just gave him four years. Actually, he just got uh, three more years because he's already been there a year and they went ahead and counted towards that. Now, I want you to know that just seems wrong to me. But we also see that uh, we don't uh, believe and, uh, and we're trying to get away from uh, corporate punishment. Now, I, I, you know, say, well, we, we don't need to get political. This is not political. This is the Word of God. And the Word of God says that punishment needs to fit the crime. We, we built our laws and this, this nation in which we live was established on biblical principles, and we're losing sight of that. We're losing sight of the fact that now when your children play, it uh, doesn't matter who wins or loses, everybody gets a participation trophy. Why? Because we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And so we have children growing up to thinking that, hey, Everybody is going to win. Well, the harsh reality of life is not everybody's a winner. The only way you're a winner is that you know Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior. You are a winner. But even at that, you're going to take some lumps and you're going to take some bruises and you're going to take some difficult times. But here's what we got to be reminded of and we're going to see it in our text tonight is that this is temporary. What's waiting for us is eternal. And what waits for us eternally, that's when we're going to be able to say then everything's going to be okay and we won't have any more sorrows. We won't have any more heartaches. See, we've lost sight that we are not bound to this world. We're just pilgrims, or the text will say we're sojourners. We're just passing through. I don't know about you, but that ought to encourage you on a Wednesday night that this mess that you're having to deal with now, it will soon be over. Amen. And so here we see five things. First of all, in verse number 17, we see three of the five things. Oh, when we're talking about the fear of God, why should we fear God? Well, in verse 17 it says, And if we call on the Father, who without respect of persons judge according to every man's works, pass, uh, and pass the, uh, pass the time of your sojourning here in Fear. For the first thing that we see is that we are to be fearful or have a fear of God because He is our Father. Now, some of you, uh, it's hard to relate. And, and I've had people say, well, how do we form our, our, our view of God being our Father? we got to be careful with this. And I understand what we're talking about here is, but many of us has kind of formed our view of our heavenly father the way we viewed our earthly father. Now, on I'm saying some characteristics of that, but also there's some things that do not apply. It could very well be that your earthly father was abusive to you. You can't say that my heavenly father is abusive. Matter of fact, quite the contrary. 
He's a loving God. He's a loving Father. But we sometimes get the, our earthly father and the view of that and, and get it mixed up with the heavenly father. Here's how you need to, to base your view of your heavenly father by his word. And so we see that uh, he, our father, is to be reverence. That word reverence means to, uh, to hold one in high esteem and in honor. We need to have a fear of God. We need to have a reverence of God the Father. First of all, because of Matthew 6, verse number 9. Jesus is showing us how to pray. He says, and this is how you're to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallow be thy name. The word hallow means Holy. We ought to have a fear of God. We ought to have reverence for God. Why? Because He's holy. He's a holy God. And if He's a holy God, that means that He will chasten us. Matter of fact, the Bible says you'll know uh, that you belong to Him because He has chastened you. Now we can apply that uh, earthly uh, uh, situation with our fathers. When uh, my children, uh, I would go and I would discipline my children. Now uh, I probably didn't do as much as I should have, but I would bring discipline to them. Now why was I disciplining my children? Because they were doing wrong. And I didn't discipline them because I was uh, mean and nasty and I was wanting to inflict pain upon them. But I was disciplining them because I loved them. See, our Heavenly Father operates like that as well. You'll know that the Heavenly Father loves you because when you get out of line, He's going to chasten you. He's going to bring correction upon you. He's going to bring punishment to you. Now, sometimes it just has to be a gentle little pat. Sometimes he has to take a two-by-four and knock you in the head. Now, am I not telling you the truth? Some of you are hard-headed. Now, I'm not going to name any names, but I'm looking at... Never mind, no, I'll just... but, but here, we are to have a fear, we are to have a reverence because he's our heavenly father. But also in Romans chapter 8, verse number 15, we see that he talks about that we no longer have the spirit of bondage, of fear. Uh, Then he talks about uh, adoption. And because we've been adopted in, we're able to call him Abba Father, which means translated Daddy. Now, when you call your father Daddy, that is a very intimate term to use. Now, understand that uh, when I was growing up, uh, the only time I would use a father uh, is when I was really wanting to try to kiss up to him. And I would go, uh, Father? I said, uh, I have a date tonight, Father. And uh, could you spot me a, a 20, Father? And then he would say, oh, where, where are you going? He, and I had to lie half the time where I was going. And, uh, and then he said, well, okay, here, yeah. And I said, well, thank you, Daddy. Now, wh- why did I change the terminology there? It's because... 
Father uh, was more of a formal, was it not? But when I called him Daddy, it's because he's done something wonderful for me. See, God the Father, we can call him Daddy because he's done something wonderful for us. He's given us salvation. He's given us grace. He's given us love and mercy. And so here, uh, we have a, a, a fear of God uh, because He is our Father. He's our Heavenly Father. But the second thing that we see is judgment. We are to have a fear of God because of His judgment. Now understand, the word judgment here, He's talking to believers. We understand He's not talking about salvation here. Okay, because when we got saved, the judgment should have, that should fell upon you had been removed because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ that's covered your sins and, and, and has removed your sins from you. You're no longer going to be judged for that sin that He's already canceled out on your behalf. He's talking to believers here, and so He's talking about our rewards. We should be in awe. That's uh, the meaning of the word uh, fear here is we should be in awe and we should uh, fear God uh, because He has passed judgment. He has taken care of our judgment as it pertains to our sins. But we will stand before Him and He will give our rewards according to our works. You don't work for your salvation. You work because you've been saved. And so here uh, we see it in Matthew chapter 16 verse number 27. Uh, the Bible says that He will reward according to our works. See, we should have a fear of God uh, because we want to please God. Here again, we go back to the analogy of our earthly fathers. I dare say that every child wants uh, to please their daddy. Now, I have seen in, uh, in ministry that children that have been mistreated, they still want to please their daddy. We all want to please our daddy, do we not? When I was growing up and uh, my dad had his issues and uh, I'm not going to get into all of that, but I still wanted to please my daddy. Uh, here, should it not be the same, even more so to our Heavenly Father? We just want to please Him. I'm doing what I'm doing not because I can get me some points and not because uh, I can get the pat on the back. I'm doing it just because I want to please my Heavenly Father. If you're serving in any capacity, that should be your motivation for serving. You just want to please your Heavenly Father. But then the Bible also tells us in Matthew chapter 25, 30, uh, verses 31 through 32, paraphrasing here, it says uh, that uh, there's going to be uh, the sheep and the goats. And we all know the story behind all that. The sheep, of course, are those who've trusted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And notice uh, that if you're a sheep, you ought to be having evidence that you're a sheep. They ought to, there ought to be some type of a work that is being shown to let people know that you're a sheep. 
and that He is your heavenly Father. He's your good shepherd, in other words. And so we understand it's important for us to work. We're going to be judged according to our works. We're not going to be judged because of someone else's works or lack of works. You're going to go one-on-one with the Heavenly Father and He's going to judge you according to your works. But then we see the psalmist in Psalm 62, verse number 12. He also makes mention that it's according to our works. Now, understand the, 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 the two different situations. Those who are lost... Their judgment is going to be different than those of us who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are going to be getting our rewards. They're going to be getting their punishment. Aren't you glad tonight that you will not receive your punishment? God took care of that. And we're grateful that He took care of it. And He took care of it because of His grace. None of us deserved what He did for us. It's amazing to me how we, and and, and I know because that flesh rises itself up. And I I have to pray daily that my my flesh doesn't get puffed up. But I'm telling you, when you really uh, sit down on it and you really start to comprehend, you would understand that none of us have anything to boast about. None of us have any, uh, there should be nothing in us that that a little bit of arrogance and pride rises up because we're here because of His grace. And because of His grace, I want to work to please Him and to bring glory to Him. I'm telling you, uh, and I'm seeing it more and more, and and I'm not going to say that I'll never do something like that, and and, and I'm not saying that I've arrived, but it's amazing to me that in in the church, the modern church, that there are those who are doing what they're doing for them to get the glory. Now, they're not going to go out and tell you that. I mean, they're, they're, they're not, you know, they're not that dumb. But in the way they go about things, you can tell they're in this thing for themselves. That's the reason why they get a little miffed if they don't get to sing a solo. That's the reason why they get a little upset if they don't get behind uh, the, the pulpit or in the limelight. Uh, that's the reason why they, 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 some get upset if you don't get recognized. My dear friend, I'm not saying that we should not uh, compliment each other. We shouldn't encourage one another. But I'm telling you, if that's the only reason why you're serving the Lord Jesus Christ, you might as well go ahead and quit because you're not serving for the right reason. The only reason why you're serving is not because you're going to get applause from people. It's not because you're going to get a pat on the back. It's not because you're going to get your name in the lights. It's only because you love Jesus Christ and you love Him so much that you want to do everything you you can to bring him glory and to bring him honor we have to have a fear of God because he is our judge but we see the third thing and we verses 18 to 20 now now he moves on and he tells us in verse number 18 he says and for as much as ye know that ye were not 
redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by traditions from your fathers. So here we are to fear God. Why? Because of being redeemed. Notice here, he says, your redemption doesn't, doesn't come from what your fathers have taught you. Now, here, stay with me. It's nothing wrong with teaching your children things. It's okay for a dad to teach his boy how to fish. It's okay for a mom to, to teach their daughter how to, to cook. and We can go on and on and on. I think you understand the gist of what I'm trying to say. That is a part of our of being a parent, is it not? Is teaching them things that will help them to be able to get through this life. But their redemption does not come from us. Their redemption comes from the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That's what he's talking about here. We have been redeemed by the blood. And, and so we go and we see in 1 Peter uh, 4, 3, the Bible tells us uh, that uh, we uh, have uh, been in times past walked in the, our lust. But we've been set free from that. And that word set free, uh, that's the word that means redemption. You have been set free. Do you understand tonight? You've been set free. You were walking in the lust and the desires of the flesh. You were walking in darkness. The Bible says that you were dead in your trespasses. But because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, the blood that covered your sins redeemed you. And we ought to fear God and we ought to be in all of God that He would redeem somebody like me. And then it goes on in Romans chapter 3, verse number 24. And the Bible tells us there is uh, that being justified freely. Being justified. What's that word justified? That means being just with God. Being right with God. You have been justified freely. How? By His grace. How do we know? What does His grace produce? It produces redemption through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And so we are fearing God. Uh, we're in all of God. We're showing reverence to God because we've been redeemed. I don't know about you, but I can't get over the fact that I've been redeemed. Many of you did not know my past, and you don't need to know all of my past. I know uh, I don't need to know all about your past because if we all knew about our past, we'd all be miserable, wouldn't we? But is it not shouting ground to understand that the reason why I can show reverence and when I can be, have the fear of God in my life is because I recognize the fact I've been redeemed. Amen. Been covered in the blood. Oh, that, that, that shouting grounds tonight. We've been redeemed, redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. But then notice on verse number 19, it says, But with the precious blood, we've already alluded to this. He says now, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. 
He's recognizing the fact that Jesus was the only one that was qualified to be the sacrifice for us. Because Jesus was the only one that was spotless. He had no fault in him. He had no sin. And we'll take it a little bit further. He didn't even have a capacity to sin. There are some that believe that, oh, he, how else could he identify with us? He didn't have to identify with us. We need to identify with him. See, we get, we get things messed up, don't we? Uh, the, the modern church movement, you know, we need to identify with, we need to identify. No, we need to identify with Jesus. And that's how someone come to recognize they're in need of a Savior when they say, oh, there's something different about that person. Oh, they, they, they don't do the things they used to do anymore. We don't have to go and we don't have to dress down. We don't have to go and get tatted up. We don't have to do all of that so we can reach people. I'm telling you, just the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power, the Bible says it's the power unto salvation. That's how we're going to identify them. And when they see that we identify with Christ, they'll say there's something that I need in my life. But then it goes in verse number 20, he says, Who verily was foreordained. There's that word again. He, that, that he was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but he was manifest in these last times for you. Now, the last thing, the reason why we should have a fear of God uh, Peter helps us to understand we ought to have a fear of God because of our faith. Because of our faith. In John chapter 6, verses 28 through 29, the question was raised, well, what, what, man, what should man do uh, to work the works? They, they were t- talking uh, to the, the Lord. The Lord, how, how can we do the works of, of that, of that you're telling us to, that we'll be able to do? And Jesus says this. He says, this is the works. Now, don't you think that they were gathering around and they're thinking, boy, he's really going to throw some real deep stuff on us right here. How can we do these works? Oh, what's the secret here? He says, believe on me. Believe on me. No dissertation. No, 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 uh, uh, you know, uh, no long drawn out uh, some type of special formula. He says, just believe on me. We ought to fear God because of our faith. We're serving Him. Why? Because of our faith. We're walking the way we walk. Why? Because of our faith. Everything centers around our faith. See, faith is like the, the hub of a wheel, uh, the, the center of the wheel. And without faith, the wheel's not going to turn. It's not going to affect any areas of your life. But when it's doing what it should be doing, when you're acting upon your faith, then that uh, wheel will affect all the areas of your life. How do you get through hard times? Your faith. How do you, how do you make a decision for your family? Your faith. Oh, how do you know which direction to go and what we need to do? Faith. 
Faith is what drives us, and faith is not something we say, something we do. A man of faith. How do we know he's a man of faith? Because we see him in action. Can that be said about you tonight? That people can recognize you as a person of faith because of how you operate? Not what you're saying. We've said it many times before. The lost and dying world is really sick of hearing nothing but talk. They want to see it in action. Your children, you, you, you can do all the talking you want to, but your children are not going to take notice until they see you doing it. Now that goes back to punishment as well. I'm going to give you a quick parenting class. When you're disciplining your children, don't tell them a hundred times that you're fixing to get after them. Okay. He'll tell us ten more times before he does something. So we just keep on doing what we're doing. When they take notice is when you put what you said into action. I'm fixing to bust you behind. And before you can get that sentence out, wham! They say, ooh, he's serious about this. I think I'm going to shape up. See, how we operate down here has crept into the spiritual realm of things. We hear the warnings all the time. We read the Word and the Word says, Now I'm telling you, if you go out of my will, you're going to suffer the consequences. And sometimes we treat God like we treat uh, how we bring our children, how we discipline there that, Oh yeah, He's going to give me a few more chances. No, He's going to come and He's going to deliver. We got a lost and dying world that says, I can't wait for that church to, to, to get, out of my, uh, get out of our neighbor. I wish they'd just go ahead and leave where they're fixing to get their wish. Because I don't care what another pastor said, I believe that the Bible is quite clear that he's fixing to call his church home. We're fixing to fly out of here. It doesn't matter if somebody else is preaching something contrary to that. I'm going to stay with what I believe the Word of God says. And the Word of God says there's coming a day when those who say, I don't want no more of this Jesus stuff, they're going to get their wish. And they won't be shaking their fist when they have to stand before a holy God. Matter of fact, quite the opposite. The Bible says that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Let me ask you this morning or this evening. It'll be a good word for you in the morning too. Do you fear God? Do you really fear God? Then if we really, here again, say we fear God, shouldn't it be acted out in our lives? To where people recognize we fear God. 